Thank you, Lord. Thank you that death is arrested. Death is finished. Death has no hold on us. Sin has no hold on us. You have set us free. You have set us free to live life, a new life with you. Lord, we just give you all the praise and all the thanks for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome. Welcome to you if you're online, wherever and whenever you're watching us. Welcome if you're in a home hub with the people there. And welcome if you are in the building this morning. It is fantastic not to have the number restrictions. Masks are now optional. It is a wonderful thing this morning that we celebrate together. Now, before I go any further, for the people who are online or in a home hub, we are having communion this morning. So if you missed that memo during the week, now is your time to get ready. I'll just say one word to you, newsletter. Everything of any importance that I'll say will be in the newsletter. So scurry off and get that ready if you need to and don't feel guilty at all. Everybody else, if you are online, say hi to us. If you're in a home hub or if you're here in the building, have a look around at people, give them a smile and say to someone particularly if you're in a home hub, tell someone what's the best thing about not having to wear a mask anymore. And I bet the majority of the answers are going to be that you can see people smile. I know it is for me. That's wonderful. Cool. Have a seat, folks, if you're here. Great. Don't forget we have our Connect cards and Next Step cards which are available on our Church Centre app or on our online platform. So if you want to get in touch with us, fill those in and just let us know. And speaking of Church church Centre app, now is the time to pull out your phone. This is a time when it's okay to pull out your phone in church, apart from if you've got your Bible on it. But pull out your phone, get your church centre app and check in. If you're here, check in in person. If you're online, check in that you're watching online. Even if you're in a home hub, check in that you're watching in a home hub. That would be really good to know that you are here. And if you're online and you haven't got the church centre app, that's okay. Just put a message somewhere in the chat on whatever platform you're watching, just so we know you're here, because we want to know you're here want to know that you're celebrating with us today. So, normally when we have the MC, like for, I was thinking about this um, this morning, it's probably been for hundreds of years, we had that offering thing where plates or bags or whatever would get passed around churches and I guess with COVID and things like that, that's something that may never come back. And it's one of those traditions that I thought, well, actually it's not such a bad thing. Because I used to find that that was a time that was the prime time to bring out guilt and shame, you know, guilt that I hadn't thought, I hadn't prepared, shame that I actually don't have enough. It brought out pride, it brought out boastfulness when people flopped out a nice note and flapped it about in the air as it fluttered down into the bowl. And I thought, we can do without that sort of thing. But God is still interested in our giving. And Paul said that Jesus said it's better to give than it is to receive. So it's a good time with restrictions opening up and it feels like we get to start life again. It's a good time to have a think about your giving. Have a talk to God about it. 
It's not a legalistic thing. God gives us these little guidelines, He gives us these rules because He knows it's good for us. So have a think about your giving as regards to your time, your giving as regards to your talents and your giving as regards to your finances. Um, God will guide you in the way He wants you to give. But talk to Him about that. Some other announcements. We have a members meeting and a team night on the 23rd of November at 7pm. So that's Tuesday, if you're not sure. So everyone is welcome. Um, we'll send out some documents in the week, uh, if you need to have a look at them, just minutes and all that sort of stuff. Um, so they'll be available on your email. It will be an in-person meeting and an online meeting. So please come if you can, it's always nice to meet in person. Um, but if you can't, that's great, online is always available as well. So there will be a members meeting, but it's also a team night, and team nights are for everybody. Um, we want everybody to be involved. We do, we have a bit of fun and we do a bit of learning. So that's Tuesday at 7. We also have our reverse advent calendars. Um, they are the boxes out there that you see with Merry Christmas on them, the big white ones. And the idea is that you take one home, free of charge, but you pop one item in a day or one or two items in a day. You fill the box up and we return it back on December the 12th. The idea being that we can give these away and bless people at Christmas. Um, so if you were blessing someone in your family at Christmas, you might bless them with a can of baked beans, but I guess you probably wouldn't. You'd probably bless them with a nice packet of biscuits or something that they would open and go, oh, this is lovely, eh? fantastic. Have a think of that when you're filling those reverse advent calendars. Um, we are helping people out for sure, but we want to really bless them. We want them to be delighted when they open them. And we've got plenty of boxes out there, so take one home today. If you're online or in a home hub, please pop into the church during the week. Uh, they're just in the foyer, ready to go home to your place. And they've got to be back by December 12th. That's your warning. And you can have a look at your newsletter for any other notices that we've got. So now we come to a time of communion. In Ephesians, live in love as Christ loved you and gave himself up on your behalf, an offering and a sacrifice whose fragrance is pleasing to God. In the Gospel of John, the next day he saw Jesus coming towards him. There is the Lamb of God, he said, who takes away the sin of the world. And in Matthew's Gospel, during supper, Jesus took bread and having said the blessing, he broke it and gave it to the disciples with the words, take this and eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup and having offered thanks to God, he gave it to them with the words, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood, the blood of the covenant shed for many for the forgiveness of sins. So there's nothing super special about what Jesus used. Uh, in my mind, when he's at that Last Supper, he's looked at the table and he's just seen the bread that's there. So he's picked up a piece of bread. And 
everyone was drinking their wine, so he's picked up a cup of wine. They're just common things that are near at hand. So that's why it doesn't matter whether you use a bit of red-coloured juice, whether you use fruit juice at home, whatever, it doesn't matter. But we do this as a reminder, but it's so much more than just a, a memorial, a thing we do to remember Jesus. Because God often uses physical acts to um, connect with a deep spiritual truth. He had Moses raise his staff over the water. Jesus makes mud out of spit and puts it on a man's eyes. Um, We are washed in water when we're baptised. Now, we know God can move sovereignly and spiritually and do whatever He wants, so why the physical acts? And I think it's because living as physical beings... Um, God knows that we need physical things, we need tangible things and reminders to connect with those deep spiritual truths. So with the bread, as we take it, it becomes part of us. We digest it, we absorb it, it actually becomes part of us. So in that, with Jesus saying, this bread is my body, Jesus becomes part of us, we become part of Jesus. We become part of that sacrificed body and part of his death for our sin. The juice or the wine that Jesus' blood shed for the forgiveness of our sins, the same thing, we take it in, we absorb it, it becomes part of us. So it's no longer like an Old Testament external anointing where the blood of the sacrifice was either put on a on your head or on your thumb or your foot or flicked on you, we take it in, it becomes part of us. It's like an internal cleansing of our soul. So as we celebrate communion, we not only remember what God did for us, what Jesus did for us and what His sacrifice meant, but as we accept and receive just these simple elements of bread and juice, We become part of Jesus' atoning sacrifice. We die to sin and we become alive again. We're clean and new. Just like the song we're singing, we're free. So we truly are communion. We truly get to commune with Jesus. It's so much more than just a reminder. So now we're just going to take communion As we play the next song and the band plays, just in your own time, if you're here, feel free to come up the front and take part in communion. It's open and available for everybody. And the same thing in your home hubs. Um, And if you're online, you can take that anytime, just when you're ready during the next song. But just before that, um, perhaps we should all stand and I'll just pray together. So if you're at home, if you're on a home hub or if you're online, please stand with us. And let's feel connected and unified as we stand together in prayer. Lord, thank you so much for your sacrifice. Thank you paying a price that we could never pay. And thank you that it was freely given and freely offered and freely available for all. And Lord, we thank you that you give us these simple elements as a reminder. And as we take them today, And as they become part of us, let us truly identify with that sacrifice. Let us feel free. Let us feel washed clean 
that our sins are forgiven and we can know our God and be with him and talk to him again because nothing stands in the way. So Lord, I pray be with us this morning as we take this communion and celebrate what you did for us. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Oh Lord God, we worship you this morning. God, we sing how great you are, how strong you are, how powerful you are. God, you are all that we need. And God, this morning our hearts, our voices, our hands, we declare how great you are. And God, we just thank you that your presence is here. God, your presence is amongst us. And Holy Spirit, we invite you in to transform our our heart, to renew our hope, to renew our faith. To help us see your goodness. Lord Jesus, you are all that we need. And God, we pray this morning we might know your love, we might know your greatness, we might know your presence. And God, we might be changed because of it. And Lord, we just thank you for these next moments that we have together. And we just pray that you would have your way. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, please grab a seat. Good morning to those online and in the home hubs. It's great to have you with us this morning. And those in the building, it's good to see some faces, some extra facial hair for some of us, maybe. Hopefully not all of us. Good. Next, um, Next Sunday, everybody say next Sunday. Everyone at home, say next Sunday, even if it's just you, just say it to the screen. Next Sunday, we're having Baptism Sunday, so we've got some baptism plans, so I encourage you, if you want to be baptised, it's not too late to join in um, and get baptised. That would be a great thing for you to do, Um, but yeah, make sure you join us next Sunday, it's going to be a great Sunday. Um, And in a couple of weeks' time, we're going to hear a bit about what's happening in the Philippines, get a bit of an update, we haven't obviously been across there, but we're going to get a bit of an update of what's been happening, of how we've been partnering with uh, the churches over there and um, encouraging them and supporting them, which is great as well. And then obviously Christmas is coming up, we've got our team night on Tuesday night, lots of activity in the life of the church, and so the best way to find out what's coming up is of course your Church Centre app. Um, Everything's in there, even the newsletter's now inside the Church Centre app, so even if you've never checked your emails... You can always just jump on there, see what's happening. Um, It's fantastic. Cool. So this morning we are in Titus chapter 2. We began a three-week series in Titus last Sunday. We are in chapter 2. Last week we talked about the big idea of Titus, how we're summarizing it, how at least I'm summarizing it. You might not agree with my summarization, but let's just pretend that we agree on this. Live in the world, but not of the world. Live in the world, but not of the world. And this is what Titus is predominantly about. It's about living out your faith. Chapter 1 talks about how that's um, lived out inside the church and especially amongst the the leaders of the church. Um, And and this week we're going to see that more in the family or or in the context of um, family-like relationships, how we are to relate to each other and the importance of that. And then next week, we're going to look a bit more about how we live that out in the community or in society. 
uh, and we talked about this big idea of character and how it's easy to be who you are, it's hard to be who you are not. It's easy to be who you are, it's hard to be who you are not. And so um, character, who we are, drives what we do. And Paul was really encouraging Titus that the elders and the leaders, and, and even today we're going to see that the importance of, of, of who we are drives our activity. And character trumps competency every time. Who you are is more important than what you do because ultimately who you are defines or decides, determines what you do. And so it's so important that we, um, we are thinking about our character more than we are thinking about what we do, our activity. So this morning we're going to read all of chapter 2 together, all 15 verses. And um, I'm reading out of the CSB version for those playing along. If you've got your... If you've never figured out what translation I'm reading from, it's a bit of a guess, but this morning it's CSB. It says this, and it'll be on the screen, I believe. There we go, look at that. But you are to proclaim things consistent with sound teaching. Older men are to be self-controlled, worthy of respect, sensible, and sound in faith, love, and endurance. In the same way, older women are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not slaves to excessive drinking. They are to teach what is good, so they may encourage the young women to love their husbands and to love their children, to be self-controlled, pure, workers at home, kind and in submission to their husbands, so that God's word, would, God's word will not be slandered. In the same way, encourage the young men to be self-controlled in everything. Make yourself an example of good works with integrity and dignity in your teaching. Your message is to be sound beyond reproach, so that any opponent will be ashamed, because he doesn't have anything bad to say about us. Slaves are to submit to their masters in everything, and to be well-pleasing, not talking back or stealing, but demonstrating utter faithfulness, so that may adorn the teaching of God our Saviour in everything. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, instructing us to deny godlessness and worldly lusts, and to live in a sensible, righteous, and godly way in the present age, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. He gave himself for us, to redeem us from all lawlessness, and to cleanse for himself a people for his own possessions, eager to do good works. Proclaim these things. Encourage and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that it's able to teach us, it's able to transform us, and God, we pray that it would do just that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Grass is a passion of mine. I've mentioned that before. I've got a picture here of some grass. And believe it or not, this is my grass at home. And I, I gave it to John, John at the back and he said, it looks like a stock photo because it's got the golf ball and the bricks in the background. But I am a, I'm a lawn enthusiast and you might think, well, Brad, that's a waste of time. Um, and maybe it is. Um, but it's a passion of mine and it's a, um, something that I love to, to do in, uh, on the weekends and um, after work and before work sometimes. And <clears throat> but um, often when, if people come around to my place and they see the grass, they, they will ask, they, they ask firstly, um, how do I do that? Or um, the grass looks good. And then they want to know, what's the secret to having great grass like that? Uh, they want to know, you know, there must be just something you just 
a magic thing that you do to the grass, and, and there is AstroTurf. I mean, that's a great way to get very nice short grass. But if you want great-looking grass, the, the key to it is consistency. It's not hours once every two weeks. It's just a little bit of time every couple of days. Over the, over the course of the life of your grass, I'll probably spend the same amount of time just about on my grass than you would on your grass. But the key is 10 minutes every couple of days is all it needs to look great, at least in my opinion uh, and my, my experience. And I'd share this because I think it's, it's key to what we're talking about here. And there's a great quote by Craig Rochelle. And he says this. He says, successful people do consistently what normal people do occasionally. Successful people do consistently what normal people do occasionally. And so what we do consistently really determines the kind of person that we are. What do you do consistently? The theme of this chapter is really around this idea of self-control. I don't know if you, when you read, you heard that idea of self-control, self-control. Older men, self-control. Older women, self-control. Younger men, younger women, self-control. It was just this repetitive sort of idea of self-control, of discipline, of doing the things that you're to do consistently, regularly. How we spend our days is how we live our life. How we spend our days is how we live our life. We are all either older or younger men or women. This chapter applies to all of us in some way, shape or form. We are all slaves in some respect, in that we have authorities over us. And so there is five sort of groups of people that Paul writes to here, or encourages Titus to, 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 to talk to, and this passage is for all of us. We all fall into at least two of these categories. This passage is for all of us, and it's really looking at the relationships or the roles that we each have in different areas or spheres of our life. And so I want to break this down and talk about these five um, areas or these five roles, and for some of us, they're going to be irrelevant. Older men. Give us a, a shout if you're an older man. No one's going to... <clears throat> Maybe we can skip over the first two categories, older men and older women we don't have. But just in case, I mean, we all will be one day, older men or older women, so we still need to listen, even if you don't think you're there yet. Um, it says this, Older men are to be self-controlled, worthy of respect, sensible and sound in faith, love and endurance so that God's word will not be slandered. I mean, that's, that's the end of that phrase, in the end of verse 5, so that God's word will be not slandered. It's sort of this big phrase of older men and, and older women, and then that's the so that, or because of. We want um, God's word not to be slandered. This is the idea we talked about last week, of living in the world but not of the world. The, the difference that our life should represent is so that God's word... I mean, it's, it's for the purpose, and we'll get to this at the end as well, it's for the purpose of others seeing the goodness of God. So, older men, self-control, we see this right off uh, at the start, self-control, and this idea is around disciplined, being disciplined, not driven by passions or um, fleshly desire, disciplined in what you do, worthy of respect. This is talking about a serious-minded person, not serious all the time, but serious about life honourable, 
that they have a sound character, a good character. Sensible, this is talking about being of sound mind, of having a sense of stability in your character. And sound in faith, love and endurance. So you might say this is talking about being healthy in faith, love uh, and endurance, or health in faith, love and obedience, being patient, being generous, being consistent, being dependable. Guys in the room, we are all going to be, even if we're not classifying ourselves as an older man yet, we'll all be an older man one day. And to be this sort of older man, it starts today. How we spend our days is how we live our life. We don't get to the older man section and go, well, now I better start being sensible. Now I better start being disciplined. Now I better start being self-controlled. We're going to see that in the younger men. It's the same sort of ideas. Now I better be worthy of respect. It doesn't start when you get older. It starts today. How we spend our days is how we live our life. And I don't know about you, but I want to be an older man that is able to mentor younger men, that is able to mentor um, the next generation. And not because I say that you'll be mentored by me, but because they would look up and say, I want to follow their lifestyle. I want to follow their example. You might think of people in your own life that you think, I want to be like so-and-so. I want to have a marriage like that guy. Or I want to have a family. I want to be a father like that guy. I want to be a friend. And they didn't accidentally just get to become a person like that. They did consistently, day to day. Um, From a young age, they developed patterns or habits in their life that enabled them to be that sort of older man. In the same way, older women. In the same way, older women are to be reverent in behaviour, not slanderers, not slaves to excessive drinking. They are to teach what is good. So, again, in the same way, it's very much the same as the older men. Reverent in behaviour, having this holy lifestyle, having this disciplined lifestyle, not slanderers, careful in how they speak about others, especially when they're not in their presence. Not slaves to drinking. Self-control, this is, again, this, this idea of being self-controlled, not enslaved to any sort of substance. They are able to teach. And it goes on to talk about teach the younger women, so they may encourage the younger women. Um, in verse 4, it goes on to say. And again, it's this idea of life on life, that it's intentional in what they do. Train younger women, focus teaching, intentional in who and in what. We get this real clear picture that um, the, the charge from, from Paul is for, for older men and older women to be intentional about the way they live their life. They're not supposed to be accidental in the way they live their life intentional, encourages, teaching and training and mentoring, speaking life into the next generation. We're all going to be there if we're not already there yet. We'll all be an older man or woman at some point in our life. How we spend our days is how we live our life. It's important to develop these habits now. And if we haven't developed them and we feel like, well, I'm already there, let's start. Start today. Don't go, well, it's too late now for me to do anything different. How we spend our days is how we live our life. We can start today. goes on to say, in verse 4 and 5, so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be self-controlled, pure, 
workers at home, kind in the submission to their husbands, so that God's word will not be slandered. Goes on to talk about this idea. For younger women, the encouragement is this, to love your husbands and children. I mean, I don't think there's... We can't really break that down anymore. It's just like... It's a great thing to do. Love your husbands. Love your children. Love those that you live with. The ones that are in your home. Love them well. Be self-controlled again. Don't be driven by just your passions. But practice self-control. The fruit of the Spirit, self-control. And at home... This idea of being workers at home, kind and submission. Be involved at home. Serving, kind, generous with your time, generous with your love, generous in all that you do. It will enable you to grow, to be an older woman that can do the things that the older women were already instructed to do. And then in verse 6, it goes on to encourage the younger men. In the same way, encourage the young men to be, guess what? self-controlled in everything and that's basically the that's basically it for the um the younger men be self-controlled and probably for the young men that's all we need to be really focused on at our ages i'm 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 including myself in the young men by the way in case you haven't figured that out be self-controlled in everything um, make yourself an example of good works with integrity and dignity in your teaching. Your message is to be um, sound beyond reproach so that any opponent will, will be ashamed because he doesn't have anything bad to say about us. So that last little section is really just a charge to, to Titus in the way he does this. Um, so the idea here for, for younger men is to be self-controlled, disciplined, not driven by passions for wealth, for fame, for success, for sex, for, for fame, or, for, um, or power. All these things are good things. Wealth, power, fame, sex, and success are all good things in and of themselves. But they are not the things that you want to be striving after with your life. They are good things, but they are not ultimate things. They all need discipline. All these areas need discipline in a young man's life. They all need to have control over in a young man's life rather than being controlled by them. If there is something that a man is going to fall, um, fall over and it's going to be in one of these areas, in either wealth, in power, fame, success or sex, it's one of these five areas that a young man is going to fall or stumble in. And so the, the instruction here is to be self-controlled in these areas. Self-controlled in everything, it says. But especially these areas, I think, in everything. Because when you can be self-controlled in these areas, when you can be disciplined in these areas, it will set you up well for life. And so that the the so that of this section here is really for all the section for all the roles so far that we've talked about, so that you can be an example, have integrity, be sound in your teaching, to be above reproach, so that. Anyone won't have anything bad to say about us. Really, it's for the the witness of the gospel that these roles are explained this way. It's so that people in Crete will be able to see the older men, the older women, the younger women, the younger men, and they'll be able to see that they are what it means to follow Christ. They don't say one thing in church on a Sunday and then do another thing during the week. You know, in Crete, there was, especially for the men, it was very likely that most of them would have... um, three 
they wouldn't be wives, three women in their life, they would have their, their wife and they would have their, um, they would have their slave um, girl in the, in the house as well and then they would have um, prostitutes as well on the side. And, so it, and this was just cultural in the, in the time and so Titus was really speaking, being encouraged to, to, to talk to the men especially about self-control, not being driven by your passions. And so for us guys, it's so important um, to, to be self-controlled in what we do, self-controlled in what we think about, self-controlled in what we look at on a screen. It's so important that we're self-controlled, disciplined, so that we can encourage others to do the same, so that we can be above reproach, so that we can set an example, so that people can look at us and see Jesus. And the fifth area that Paul talks to Titus about is this idea of slaves. And while we don't deal with slavery here in our culture, in our time, in this area, slaves are, um, for us, the, the same idea applies to our employment, to, our, to any area in which we have authority over us. It talks about this. It says, slaves are to submit to their masters in everything and to be well-pleasing, not talking back or stealing, but demonstrating utter faithfulness so they may adorn the teaching of God, our Saviour, in everything. Submissive. And again, this can become a dirty word um, in today's culture, but it's not intended to be a dirty word. It's not intended to be a word that is abused or um, taken advantage of. We are all called to be submissive. I think it's in Galatians, it says, submit to each other. Everyone is called to submit to each other. We are called to submit to authorities. We are called to be obedient. That's what this submission is really all about, is about obedience, being to do what you are asked to do by those in authority over you. Well-pleasing, it talks about, being committed to doing a good job, satisfying our roles and commitment, not talking back. I don't think that one needs any explanation. Having a good attitude, really. Not stealing, utter faithfulness, being someone who's trustworthy, does this describe your character in areas where you have authority over you? Maybe in your workplace, maybe in where you serve, where you volunteer, in your home. So that, so that they may adorn the teaching of God our Saviour in everything. So that Jesus is shown to the world around us. But the theme here through all these roles is self-control. Be in control of what you do. Be in control of what you think. Be in control of what you say. Be in control of what you desire. When we allow the Holy Spirit to drive us, when we allow the Holy Spirit to fill our life, the fruit of it is self-control. Galatians 5 talks about the, the fruit of the Spirit. And the, one of the fruits is self-control. It's, it's this idea of cooperation with the Holy Spirit. I don't know what, what you think of when you think of fruit of the Spirit. Whether you think fruit of the Spirit is something that happens to you without your, um, without your consent or without your cooperation, like something how the Holy Spirit comes and just produces magic out of your life. But when I see that the fruit of the Spirit is self-control, I, to me, it just shows me that the fruit of the Spirit is cooperation. There is cooperation needed to, to produce the fruit of the Spirit. Otherwise, it would be called Holy Spirit-controlled. 
the Holy Spirit would come and control everything you do. But instead, the Holy Spirit produces self-control. So there's a real sense that there's a cooperation because you cannot have self-control without yourself involved, without you participating in that. Otherwise, it wouldn't be self-control, just be control. But it is self-control. It's cooperation with the Spirit. The control comes from yourself. Young men and women turn into older men and women, and we all need this same encouragement, self-control, discipline. Because how we spend our days is how we live our life. And how we live our life has the potential for incredible influence for those around us. Incredible influence. We can look around us and say, I hope this person hears this message today. I hope the, the younger men are really listening to this message today because they need to hear this word that Brad's talking about. Or we can think to ourselves, I hope the older women really hear what Brad's talking about this morning because they really need to hear this. Again, it's self-control. It's not others' control. That's not what the message is this morning. It's self-control. What are the things that you're doing daily? What are the things that you're doing consistently? How is that changing you? How is that setting you up to live your life in a way that is influencing those around you? Live in the world, but not of the world. And this is how, through self-control, because it's countercultural, especially today, it's countercultural to practice self-control, discipline. When we're lived to do what you want, go with whatever you feel, just act on whatever desire you want. It's your truth, it's your reality, just go with whatever you feel. Whereas the gospel tells us that there's a need for self-control, there's a need for discipline. Don't trust just your own desires, but make sure they line up with God's word. Practice self-control, because it's going to bring a profound influence on those around you. And verses 11 to 15, the, the conclusion of this chapter tells us the, the power or the source of this self-control. It says this, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, instructing us to deny godlessness and worldly lusts and to live in a sensible, righteous and godly way in the present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of God, of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. He gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to cleanse us for himself, a people for his own possession, eager to do good works. Proclaim these things, encourage and rebuke with all authority, let no one disregard you. And so the power source for this self-control, for this lifestyle, is really the gospel. It's really because of Jesus and what he has done. It's because it motivates us through love. God loves us and his commands for us are born from that love for us. So our obedience can come from a place of trust in that love. So the power source um, for this self-control is through the gospel because it motivates through love, because it provides us with patience by promising a better day to come. So here it talks about a blessed hope. When we know that there's a better day coming, um, it's, it's easier to practice self-control knowing that it's not forever. It's like a road trip. You can endure a road trip. You can be disciplined enough to keep driving and not get out of the car, even though it's, you might get uncomfortable because of the destination. And in the same way, there's, there's times where self-control and discipline are not always the best things to do in terms of they don't always feel like exactly what you want to do in that moment. But we know because of the destination, it um, enables us to, to live with patience 
It enables us to live with endurance. We're also motivated or um, given power for this self-control because it was demonstrated in Jesus. He gave up his desires. He gave up himself for us. He laid his life down. And so we can lay our life down. We can lay our own desires down. And the fourth um, way it gives us power for self-control is because it helps us to see and experience... um, Sorry, it helps others see and experience what we have seen and experienced. It's a powerful demonstration of the gospel at work. In us and through us. When we practice this lifestyle, when we practice this self-control, when we practice this discipline, it benefits others almost more than it benefits ourselves. It shows people Jesus. It shows people the transformational power of the gospel. And so I want to ask you this morning, what are the things that you're doing consistently? What are the things you do every day? What are the things you do every week? What are the things you say every day? What are the things you think every day? Are they the things that you want to be doing, saying and thinking in 10 years from now? When you're an even older man or woman? Are they the things that you want to be passing on to the next generation? Because how we spend our days is how we live our life. If there's one thing that you could do this week, one consistent change you could make, what would it be? Don't aim for the Don't aim for the moon, just aim for one discipline, one thing. Maybe it's simply praying every day. Maybe it's simply encouraging someone every day. What could it be that you could just do one thing that in 10 years' time it would make the world a difference for those around you? How we spend our days is how we live our life. How are you spending your days Our days are spent with those closest to us. It starts at home. It starts in our own private time, at work, with our close friends. Live in a way that encourages the people around you. Live in a way that demonstrates the gospel to the people around you. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word, and God, we thank you for your example of love towards us. God, that you laid your life down for us, that you gave up everything so that we might know you and know eternity and have hope in every situation. And God, we pray that you would help us to become people that practice the the same idea of laying our life down, of not just living for ourselves, but living for those around us, of loving others as best we can, encouraging others, showing them the the way to to you and the way to eternal life. God, we thank you for the way you've transformed our life, the way you've transformed our church and our community through the gospel. And God, we pray that you would continue to do that and use us. God, help us to, to do those things that we need to do consistently. Help us to spend our day as well. God, we love you and we thank you for your word this morning. We pray that it would transform our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.